0: Entertaining and informative. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
1: A oh, little Billy Joe for you. Find out right we're going to Long Island. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC. With the no-spin news off of his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, great columns, great TV show. Nobody does it better His killing series continues to kill it. About 13, and now killing the witches was the last one. And he does uh, just an unbelievable job here every Thursday morning. Big day. I mean, Nick Saban, maybe the greatest college coach ever. He leaves Alabama. Bill Belichick, maybe the greatest NFL coach ever. He leaves New England. And fat, stupid Chris Christie, he's checked out of the presidential race. That's a big day, huh, Bill? That stupid Chris. Christie. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, all right. Where do you want to start? You want to start uh, politics or sports?
1: Wherever you want. This is these fifteen minutes make me big. So you take it away. <laughs> okay.
2: So um, politics and sports are very very similar. And I, as a kid, played four sports. Um, I was a goalie on a high school hockey team. I played football at Marist College. Um, I played CYO basketball. I played semi-pro baseball for the Brooklyn Monarchs. Wow. And it's all about beating the other guy, right, or the other gal.
1: Which, by the way, I don't want to stop you, but when people say to me, boy, it seems like you've made this relatively seamless transition from 15 years as a sports talk show host, including WFAN, to doing this, I go, it's the same thing. Yeah, Just the same substitute thing. the Mets for Trump.
2: You, you have to beat the other team. And that's what politics is. You have to beat the other team. And uh, there are a variety of ways uh, that people approach it. Uh, that I have to say that sports pretty much saved my life. I think I'd be in the penitentiary if I didn't <laughs> play oh, sports. Really? So I was a little thug in Levittown running around. I, I was <laughs> harmless, but... Um you know it's not hard to drift in to uh an arena where you're really doing damage and and when I was uh in college that was the Vietnam sex drugs rock and roll era that came in fast and there were a lot of casualties in Levittown about that a lot of people got addicted to drugs and uh they did bad things and they wound up wrecking their lives but I didn't because I was always training, I was always sweating and uh, perspiring. So I I I'm very uh thankful that I was in that uh in that group. So politics now in America has changed dramatically and I'm writing a book called Confronting the Presidents, uh No Spin Assessments from George Washington to Joe Biden. And that book will be out uh second week in September in a run up to our vote. And I'm and I'm telling you about who these guys really were cutting through the facade so i wasn't surprised when chris christie resigned i don't know who would be um you know he didn't have a constituency from day one it was a vanity run and a vanity run is where you get a lot of attention and then you write a book or you'd give lectures or you're bored and you, know, you just run around and it, wasn't it, wasn't even a,
1: run. it wasn't even a vanity run it was more of a revenge run Because at no point he
2: knew, Christie had to know that the one-trick pony he was, Trump's the devil, was not going to win in a Republican primary.
1: No, of course, but, but I think he embarrassed himself. I mean, don't be afraid to tell us just once in eight months what you're going to do to improve the country instead of bashing Trump. You look like an idiot, Chris Christie.
2: Well, that's all he had, though. I mean, you know, yeah, he was the governor of New Jersey, but okay, I mean, what is he going to do? What is he going to do there? So he's out, and uh, you know, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish using other people's money. But the people donated to him and and he had, you know, fun for nine months running around doing what he did.
1: Including our friend Steve Cohen of the New York Mets. Forget about Scaramucci, but Steve Cohen's gotta be smarter than that. I mean come
2: I on. don't know. I mean look, I, I'm very yeah. libertarian on people supporting other people in the political arena. If you want to give money or support somebody, I'm not gonna disparage you okay. unless unless you are helping someone who is absolutely destructive. To my family. Right. And that means yeah. the far right and the far left. And So if you're you're giving money to somebody who wants to hurt my family, then I'm coming after you.
1: You know what's funny what you just said? Because as I told you, folks, if you don't listen to Bill O'Reilly, his morning message every day at about 730 is great. And it's the, one of the few times I actually stay inside the studio because I've got all kinds of issues. I can't sit still. And I listen to it. And this morning you talked about what you just said, the far right and the far left. And I have to tell you that every now and then when I hear that, I get aggravated because I've heard my own family members say to me, all both sides have their issues, they both suck. Stop. You're right. I guess that's true. But clearly, clearly there is one side, one side that is absolutely without argument 1,000% crazier than the other. And that's the left. So once we start to really, I guess, demonize both sides – and people yeah, start you to don't think...
2: want to do a moral equivalence if the uh, one evil outnumbers the other evil ten to one. You that's agree, what, but, but you agree that,
1: but you agree that's the case.
2: Yeah, sure, because that's always the case. You justify bad behavior by pointing to other bad behavior. That's what fifth uh, fifth graders do. <laughs> right. You know, when I was caught whacking uh, Mary Ann with a ruler, I go, "Well, Clement hit her with a sledgehammer." You know, <laughs> come on. I mean, but that's what people do. So if you go to a website like Stormfront for example, the Nazi website, you're going to see heinous things, you're going to see things that turn your stomach. But how many Stormfront idiots are there? None. I mean the it's infinitesimal. You've got to go to uh the Bitterroot Mountains in Idaho to find them. I mean, you know. But the far left, all you got to do is go to the uh St. Mark's place. Yeah and they're lined up and the media sympathizes with them on many occasions and bolsters them, enables them gives them publicity, justifies them, never get that on the far right but the basic philosophy of destroy the country is the same and that was uh, the commentary uh, this morning on WABC Um, both extremists They don't like the freedom that we have. They don't want it. And they're both totalitarians in different ways. Uh, And talking about totalitarians, uh, let's get to Bill Belichick. (laughs) How about that for a transition? (laughs) That's great. That is great. and, And people who don't follow sports, you know, stay with us here. So this is a guy who developed a formula uh, to become uh, the most successful football coach if your yardstick is winning Super Bowls of all time. And he is a no-nonsense guy. He dis- he hates the press more than Trump does. Yeah. Okay? He, because he knows that the press is in business to gotcha. All right, they, they make him look bad or what. Whatever. And then he gives the same answer eighteen times. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows what he's doing. Okay. So after twenty four years and you know, and new and I love the rivalry, by the way, between New York and Boston. I I love that. And the dividing line is New Haven, Connecticut. So if you are uh Below New Haven, then you root for the New York teams. If you're above, you root for the Boston team. Right, and 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 it's such a great rivalry in sports, and and it it's vibrant And both cities. You know there are some kooks, but most most fans enjoy the competition. Now the reason that Belichick, um has not done well, it, it's Tom Brady. Yes, you've got a superstar like that. Um, who dominates the game, you can ride him, Um, and Belichick did.
0: see.
1: and just to emphasize your point, since Brady left and Brady won six super Bowls with Belichick since he left in four years belichick's record twenty nine wins thirty eight losses, right. nine games under five hundred with only one playoff
2: appearance that's right, and Brady wins a Super Bowl with Tampa, so you can rightly say. That Brady was the driver of the New England Patriots' success for all of those years. So you have the data to back that up. But everybody isn't perfect. Belichick's weakness is talent evaluation. He lucked out with Brady. He lucked out with the guy. The guy was like the last draftee from Michigan. He comes in. He's a superstar. Who knew? You know, who yeah, but by
1: the way, you could, you could thank the Jets for that because the quarterback for the Patriots was a guy named Drew Bledsoe. Right. And one game against the Jets, the linebacker Mo Lewis blasted Bledsoe out of bounds. So at that point, to your point, Belichick picked a guy who, who they picked in the sixth round out of Michigan, who didn't even start. He backed up Brian Greasy, Andrew Henson, Hens the greatest setup of quarterback of all time.
2: Right. And, and all of that is, is what they call organic. Nobody has anything to do with it. It just happens. Um, so Belichick's weakness is talent evaluation, and he couldn't bring in, and they, they put a lot of money on this Mac Jones quarterback, just like the Jets did uh, right. with right. the young guy from Utah. Exactly. Well, it was the same right. thing. Yep. Um, the odds of succeeding at that level um, for any athlete are about 10 to 1 particularly a quarterback, I mean, even if you do well in college, the difference between college and the pros, I mean, look, I'm in the most competitive industry, and so are you, in the country, media. I mean, we, we have to produce so that our companies make money, and you only do that by attracting audience, and that's, what they, that's a competition because you're up against other people. In politics, it's the same thing. So you elect somebody and you hope that they're going to be um, you know, uh, effective in problem solving. Now, guys like me and you, we've been around for a long time. I mean, I knew Joe Biden was going to be a terrible president, but I gave him a chance, and I said that to my audience. I said, look, he's elected. I never bought into this uh, uh, massive fraud, uh, voting machine nonsense. I never did. I said, he's elected, okay, and on the border, 80 million votes. Maybe he got 77 million, all right, and 3 million were uh, Zucker boats, uh where somebody would go in and drag the old lady out of the, the corridor and <laughs> yeah. say, sign this and yeah. send yeah. it in. Okay, so – but I knew, based upon his resume of being just a weaselly politician his whole life, what is this guy going to just now be Winston Churchill? <laughs> No, I knew it was going to be a disaster, but it's far worse than I ever thought it was going to be. So now we look ahead, and, and you know, it looks like we got Biden-Trump again. Oh,
1: slow down. Slow down. Okay. Because I had this conversation with our mutual friend uh, who loves you, too, Judge uh, Janine, yesterday. So all of a sudden, and I don't believe in any coincidences, Bill. All of a sudden, who's in the news on Tuesday, video, audio, the whole thing? On a podcast talking about how terrified she is. Yeah, Michelle. So now, if I was to say to you, here's what's coming, because they've been priming Gavin Newsom too for VP, forget about Biden Harris. Your Democrat ticket is going to be Michelle Newsom. Let me tell you something. As a Trump supporter, I'm going to lose sleep over that one.
2: Well, you're right. And I did a, I was the first one to break that story once I saw Michelle Obama show up on Jay Shetty's podcast. (laughs)
1: Jay Shetty, that's right. I mean,
2: she didn't go on Sit-In Friends. She didn't go on a No Spin News or Bill O'Reilly. She went to Jay Shetty. You know who Jay Shetty is? No. He's a former monk. (laughs) He's a a, a wind chime guy. He's a candle guy. You know, incense guy. (laughs) So Michelle Obama, who does nothing spontaneously, um, gives it one hour and five minutes to Jay Shetty, uh, and I'm going, why? Uh-huh. Doesn't have a book, uh, doesn't have lunch with Oprah to talk about, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. She just shows up. So I do some reporting because that's what I am. I'm a journalist slash historian. So here's what I found out. You ready, WABC listeners? Now, yep. Yep. I have to tell you, I am not reporting this as fact because I don't use anonymous sources, ever. I am reporting what I have been told. I don't know if it's true. Okay. Barack Obama goes to the White House. That was about two weeks ago. Goes up. Now, they have a house, a mansion in Washington, D.C., the Obamas. He goes in, and he basically looks at Biden and Biden's advisers and says, if you guys don't get this border under control, you're going to lose. That was the conversation. And he, he really went in. It wasn't like touchy-feely. It wasn't hope and change. It was, you guys are idiots. He's pissed. Okay, yeah. And he goes, you're going to blow the whole progressive thing that we've put together. The whole thing is going to go down. If you don't do this border thing, because this is insane. Remember, under the eight years of Barack Obama, they deported more foreign nationals than any other administration in history. That's right. Okay.
1: And they actually built those detention camps that they beat Trump up over when AOC was in front of those. They they had to
2: isolate. You know, you have to do that. To find out who these people are. Sure. They, he actually they to was, find out if he, Uncle Jose is really the uncle. No, he did, but he was actually the one who had kids in cages. Yeah, Well, I don't know about cages, but they, they were isolating people to find out who they were. But anyway, yeah. so that's what happened there. And then Barack Obama was not happy with the reception that he received. All right? Uh-oh. Because... The Biden White House doesn't want to do anything about the open border, doesn't, because the progressives want to flood the country with foreign nationals who may down the road vote for socialism. That is the play. So then Barack goes back and looks at Michelle and goes, you know what, baby, you got to get out there and send a little message. Hello, Jay Shetty. That's what that
1: was. So you're telling me that was just a message to Biden and not necessarily a
2: warning. Right. I'm here. Mm -hmm. That's what the message was. Now, forget about Gavin Newsom. He's done, cooked, finished. (laughs) Once he signed the law that said California is going to pay for all of the health care for every undocumented person in in the state, And anyone who comes there in the future, that was it. He cannot compete with that on his resume. So he's gone. Um, So that's what happened. And that's why uh, Michelle showed up. Now, for those who are Trump fans, that's not good news. No. Because Michelle Obama would be competitive.
1: I think she'd win.
2: Well, they can tie her to Biden. They can tie her to Biden.
1: What what if she distances herself from Biden? I mean, her husband said... Yeah, he's
2: not going to badmouth Biden. Why not? Her husband said No, no, no. That will never happen. Wait, wait.
1: Did Barack Obama not say that Joe Biden is capable of effing up anything and everything?
2: Yeah, but he didn't say it publicly. So you're never going to get the Obamas to badmouth the progressive president. Never. Okay. Okay? All right. Remember who's running... uh, Biden's campaign. Obama? Jeffrey Katzenberg. Oh, Katzenberg. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. Right, right. This this is the nexus. The Obamas aren't going up against the Hollywood lefties. They're not going to embarrass the party. They're not. They're basically sending a signal is we think things are going to get worse and they're right, particularly on a Hunter Biden front. And when Joe has to resign for health reasons and join Lloyd Austin, <laughs> right. and Joe might not tell us for a month that he resigned. You know? like like same Austin. thing with Lloyd. Okay? Right. <laughs> all right. When Joe resigns for health reasons, like LBJ, hello, here's uh, maybe uh, Michelle will go back on Jay Shetty's podcast. Oh hey, I'm God. ready. Aye, aye, That's aye. what this was all about.
1: Well, I like it. Uh, I feel better hearing that than she's definitely considering or almost there. And I will tell you this as we wrap this unbelievable conversation. I'll be the best. You know, the Super Bowl is Feb 11 and the chalk with the playoffs starting on Saturday would have the 49ers play the Ravens, but I don't care who it is. I don't care if the Lions get in, the Browns get in all of that drama that we're about to witness in the next five weeks leading up to February 11th in Las Vegas, Super Bowl 58, will pale in comparison to this presidential run coming next November.
2: Yes? Yeah. Um, But people need diversions away from the dirty politics stuff. Next week, keep your eye on this Atlanta Fannie Willis story. Oh, I know. Yeah. um, Fannie.
1: Do you believe that she was having sex with the prosecutor and all that?
2: It's worse. Worse? Yeah. The prosecutor who she paid, Fulton County paid almost a million dollars to so far. The guy who's trying to nail Trump, put him in prison, makes two visits to the White House on Fannie's dime. Wow. And you're not hearing it. It's another news blackout. But this is big. That whole case could be thrown out. And it happened. Because Fanny has now been subpoenaed to appear in a divorce case with her boyfriend, the prosecutor, whose wife is filed for divorce because Fanny and him were running around. This is a big story down there. And this goes to prosecutorial misconduct. Trump should be jumping up and down on this one.
1: I think he is. And I had Woody Giuliani on the show Tuesday when this thing first broke on Monday. Yeah, and he thought this would mean the end of this, also. So I think they aren't quietly. I mean, Trump's in court today, but Rudy was certainly very excited.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's and it's embarrassing. It's really and this Fannie Willis, uh, if she was, if she's coordinating with the White House on prosecuting Donald Trump, <laughs> this is huge.
1: I love it. Well, that's a good way to end this—a uh, happy ending, Bill. I mean, hate to put it
2: that way, but you
1: know what I mean, right?
2: Uh, I think so, but I'm not going to delve any further.
1: I love you, Bill O'Reilly. You're brilliant. Another amazing, amazing segment, and we'll do it again uh, very, very soon. Thank you so much.
2: All right, Sid. Appreciate it.
1: Great job. You got it. 9 p.m. weeknights. The man,
0: BillOReilly.com.